Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Well, all right. Good morning again, everyone. Welcome to One Life Church. If you're just now joining us, my name is Rhett. I'm the lead pastor here, and it's an honor to have you join us today. Hey, before we get started into a new series we're calling Holy Spirit, will you do me a favor? Hey, One Life Church family, can you put your hands together and welcome our online church podcast family right now? Come on, throw your hands together. Show some love for them. If you're joining us online, we want to tell you how much we love you, how much we appreciate you, and how much we miss you. You are our family. We love you, and we cannot wait to see you real soon. All right, you guys, hey, very excited. We are starting a new series today, but before I tell you more about that series, will you take a moment with me and check this out? Hey, everybody, small groups are launching on September the 13th through December the 5th. Where you at, One Life Church? Come on. If you are our guest today, you're like, what is a small group? It is indeed a group that is small, but we believe, honestly, you guys, that life change happens in the context of life giving relationships. Notice I didn't say perfect relationships or relationships that think they have it all together. No. In fact, if you know anything about our small groups or about our church, you will know that we are not perfect people. And I cannot be honest with you. Like if somebody came in and they think they're perfect, guess what? We're not, we're not perfect everybody. That's what I like to say. You ready for this? I'm already stepping on toes this morning. You're like, what is going on? I got issues. You got issues. Guess what? All God's children got some issues. And if you don't think you got an issue, hey, everybody, that is your issue. Isn't it the truth? And we believe the word of God teaches us if those who kind of come together and those who have issues, when you talk about it, God's word says, if you'll confess your sins and pray for one another. Why? So that you may be healed. God's word says that you will find healing and you will find wholeness in your life, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your finances, when you connect to other life-giving people and say, you know what, man, I'm struggling in life. And that person says, you know what, me too. But let me show you what God's word says, that we together can walk through this and you can overcome it and you can experience life, hope, joy, and the fullness that God has for you. I'm telling you, God's design and plan is people. And so this is why we do small groups. So our semester begins, a fall semester. It starts on Sunday, September the 13th and goes through December the 5th. All right, which also makes me want to remind you of a very important thing, and that is small group leadership training. What is small group leadership training? It's an opportunity for you. For some of you in this room, you're like, man, I'm ready to do this. I want to lead a small group. This is your place. It's going to happen next Sunday immediately following this service, as well as on September the 6th. It's just a one-time class. You don't have to come both Sundays. It's just one Sunday. But also, this class is available for those of you who are thinking, man, what what do small groups even look like? Like, what's the expectation? How do you do it? Like, what is it? Tell me the behind the scenes. This class is designed for you. You don't have to go to training and lead a small group. We would encourage you, in fact, to pray about everything you do. But I want to tell you that your life, I'm not just trying to sell you on a system. I'm not trying to sell you on a process. I'm not trying to grow a church. I'm trying to grow the people in our church. And if you want to experience life change, my friends, don't do life alone. Connect in community. And so this is important. This isn't something we do. This is who we are as a church. And we really found that out back when COVID hit back in March. Because I told people all the time, if there was only one thing we do as a church, what are we going to do? It's small groups. 
And guess what we did when COVID hit everybody? Small groups. It's who we are. You're sitting in here today probably because of the relationship with someone who's invited you. And, and I'm telling you, relationships are important. Okay, enough about that. Listen, we are in a series today. We are calling The Holy Spirit, and we're in part one of this series today. And I'm extremely excited to bring this message to you. But I want to let you know we are a message note-taking church. That means we like to take notes around here. So typically, on a normal Sunday, we would have notes in your worship guide. But we have everything available to you online. If you will go to olc.church, everybody play along with me right now. I know you got a phone. Pull your phone out. Go to olc.church. Swipe down. You'll see a little button. It says message notes. Those message notes are there to help you as you follow along. You can fill in the blank. You can even email it to you after you fill it in. You can send yourself a PDF. Why do we do that? We do that because we want to empower you on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday. Come on, somebody. We want to make sure you have God's word in your life so you can apply this when you're facing real life outside of these four walls. Amen? So I hope you will follow along. I hope you'll fill that in because it really is going to be a blessing to you. Okay. So as a pastor, let me just be honest with you. We pray, we seek God, right? That, that's our responsibility. And so as I do that, this is what I always ask. God, what is it that we need as a church in whatever season we're walking through? What is it that we need and that our people need to hear? And every time I do this, God always speaks different things depending on the seasons that we're in. And I try to do the very best I can to be creative and, and relevant to bring you something that will not only impact you spiritually and inspire you, but to bring you some very practical tools that you can apply in your life or maybe what you're facing. And as I begin to think about what we're going through as a nation in this global pandemic, the social distancing, the tension, the racial divide, the riots, the mask or no mask, right? All the different things that are happening in a society that are also affecting our home, our marriage, our family, and our finances. It's very clear to me that there's one thing that we need. It's evident, and that is we need God. We need God, but not only do we need God, my friends, we need all of God. We need everything he has to offer us. We need his love. We need his forgiveness. We need his wisdom. We need his direction. We need his teaching. We need his counsel. We need his friendship, and here's the problem. Many of us, especially in church, are like, yeah, man, pastor, I want all of God. But the truth is, if we're being honest, the truth is we're typically saying, you know what? I want the parts of God that I understand, but the parts of God that I really don't understand, I really don't want to have anything to do with that. And so my hope is today that I can help you take a step to understanding that in order for your life, your marriage, your family, your finances, your health, your emotions, everything that you face in life, in order for there to be fulfillment in those areas, my friend, you need more than just what you understand. You need to be able to begin to embrace the things that you don't understand about God. And if there's one area throughout the entire Bible, and especially in American culture, that many of us as Christians or even as non-believers don't understand, is this idea about the person, of the third person of the Trinity, we call the Holy Spirit. See, when it comes to God the Father, let's be honest, many of us can kind of relate to that. Whether we had a good father or a bad father, it doesn't matter. We can kind of relate to the fact that, okay, God's a father, we can also kind of relate to the fact that God had a son, right? And we, there's movies about Jesus, right? We see the movies about Jesus. It's kind of tangible. You can understand the whole process of that. But like, what's up with this whole idea of a holy 
ghost or a Holy Spirit. Can I be honest with you, man? I'm kind of like, I don't want no ghost. I don't want no spirit. Am I the only one? Like, I don't know what's up with that. That's a little hard to understand. And I want to say something. I want to make a statement, but here's the reality to it. I'm not trying to be funny, but I am trying to be very truthful in this statement. And that is, my friends, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. It's okay to laugh in church. See, I don't think people have a problem with the power of God. I just think people have a problem with the packaging in which it comes. And my friend, I just want to encourage you today, please don't throw away all that God has for you because maybe it was packaged in a weird way at some point in your life. See, we all have these misperceptions and misconceptions of the Holy Spirit. Maybe it was because of something you saw on TV. Maybe it was something you, you experienced in your own life, or maybe it's something that a friend of yours told you, you better stay away from the Holy Spirit churches, right? Because they're crazy. We all have these misperceptions. We all have these misconceptions. But I want you to understand, especially in American culture, there are a lot of things that get tied and associated with the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, that are absolutely 100% not true. They're not true. And so my job today, and actually not just today, but throughout this series and over the next three weeks, is to do my absolute best to present to you who the person of the Holy Spirit is and the role he wants to play in your life. But this is what I need you to do. If there's ever a series that I need you to commit to, it's this one. Now, maybe you can't be here on a Sunday. We're offering these services available on our podcast at Apple iTunes, just One Life Church, Idaho. But I want you to commit to this series, and this is what I need you to do throughout this series. I want to encourage you to lay aside all the negative things, the misconceptions, the misperceptions, the things that maybe you've seen or experienced or been taught or even heard. I need you to lay those things aside. And I need you to allow me a blank page today and over the next three weeks and allow me the opportunity to introduce you and to show you from God's word. Don't take my word for it, but let me show you from God's word who the Holy Spirit is and how important he is in your life. So this is what I want to do today. I'm not going to be able to cover everything. We're just kind of putting a toe in the water a little bit this morning, okay, everybody? Because some of y'all are like, all right, I've been ready for this, let's go. And some of y'all are like, oh, wait a minute, I don't know, I was just beginning to like this church. Now they're talking about this <laughs> Holy Spirit thing. So what I want to do today is I just want to give you a small little glimpse of his nature. I want to help you see truly who the Bible teaches us who this Holy Spirit is. See, a lot of us get caught up on the word spirit or even some translations say ghost. And I just want to be honest with you. I personally believe that is a bad interpretation of really the true meaning and the representation of who the Holy Spirit is. Why do I believe this? Because if you do a simple little word study, I'm going to give you a little bit of theology this morning. Your Bible was written in two languages. The Old Testament before Christ was written in Hebrew. The New Testament after Christ was written in Greek. Well, why in the world did they not just write in the same language? Because after Christ died, born, you know, rose again, resurrected, and the stories of Christ and the accounting of all that began to happen and the church began to rise, Greeks were influencing culture in that day, and in the Greek language was prominent. So they wrote in the most prominent language to make a difference around the world. So that's why they wrote in Greek. And so let me show you, if you look at the original meaning, where we get our English word, our English translation spirit. Let me show you in the Old Testament first, this Hebrew word called ruach. You got to say it like a kernel of popcorn. It's stuck in the back of your throat. Ruach. 
And notice this. It doesn't say ghost. It doesn't say spirit. I didn't make this up. This is in every pastor's library across the world. It says, a wind, a breath, a violent exhalation. It's a blast of breath. So imagine the English translator's dilemma. God the Father. Okay, we can represent that pretty well. God the Son. God the Holy Breath. Like, how does holy breath translate in America or even in English culture, right? It just, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't really fit right, right, in our thought or our thinking. And so the English translators did the best that they could to basically create a word, and they chose the word spirit. They chose the word ghost in place of wind, in place of breath. They chose that word to describe him. The first mention of this word ruach is actually found in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. Let's go there together. This is the creation account. It says, now the earth was formless and empty. It says, darkness was over the surface of the deep. And notice this word. And the ruach, the breath of God that had power to create the whole world, was hovering over the waters. So what does this mean? It means when God was creating the heavens and the earth and God's words came out of his mouth, let there be light. There was power in those words to bring life and to create everything. But let me take it a step further. The words are powerful, absolutely. But the words receive power from God's breath. This is so important for you to understand that his breath, that his wind His Holy Spirit has power to give you life in every area of your life. Now, let's go to the New Testament. The New Testament was written in Greek. In the Greek word, where the English translators get spirit or ghost, the Greek word that they pull from in the New Testament is actually this word, pneuma. P is silent. Pneuma. And notice this. It's not Holy Spirit. It's not a ghost. It's not a mystical. It's not a spookified kind of being. No, no, no. It's a current of air. It's a blast of breath. It's a strong breeze. Now let me show you this word in one of the many places that it's used in Scripture in the New Testament. Look at this. John chapter 6, verse 63. This is Jesus speaking. And Jesus says, The words I have spoken to you are pneuma. It's breath. The words I speak are the, have the breath of God in them. And they are life to you. Listen, what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying here, hey, I didn't come just to give you a bunch of great ideas or a bunch of great concepts to contemplate in your mind to figure out so that you can live a good life. No, he's saying, listen, the Bible, my friends, isn't just a book of concepts. The Bible is alive. The Bible is powerful. That's why 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, all scripture is God breathed. Hebrews 4.12, check this out. For the word of God is alive. The word of God is powerful, my friends. This is huge and this is important for you to understand when you are reading the Bible, your Bible is alive. Come on, can I get a better amen? Somebody's, y'all following me this morning? The Bible is alive. Why? Because every word has been breathed by the breath of God, the Holy Spirit. And this is huge. So, What have we learned so far this morning? Well, we've learned basically that the Bible defines the Holy Spirit as this breath of fresh air. It's the wind of God. And so if that's the definition, and it is the definition as we've looked here in Scripture, 
then here's my thought. Why not see the parallels between the characteristics of wind and the characteristics of the Holy Spirit? And so I'm going to need you to go with me today. I'm going to need a lot of grace because I don't know about you. Have you ever tried to explain wind to somebody who's never been outside? What are you going to tell them, man? I mean, like, you know, you call it's like, you're like, and it's like, like the trees do this. And like, like when it really goes, like it can even make the hairs on your arm stand up a little bit and move. I mean, like it makes the waters do this. I mean, how are you going to explain to a brother or sister what wind looks like? No, you know what you're going to ultimately do? You're going to say, here, man, take them by the hand. Come outside. I want you to experience this. Amen. So ultimately what I'm trying to do today is I'm trying to teach you but I'm trying, my hope is that it goes beyond your understanding into something that you want to step outside and experience. So what's the first characteristic of wind, if I'm thinking about it? It comes right here. The first one is wind. Wind is unseen, isn't it? It's like, no doubt, right? You can't see it. See, you can't see the wind, but guess what you can't see? You can see the effects of the wind. Right? Same is true of the Holy Spirit. You can't see the Holy Spirit, my friends but you can see the effects of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. You know, if you walk outside today, and my goodness, it's been hot recently, but if you walk outside today out of kind of this stale environment, you get outside, the first thing that's going to hit you is the beautiful wind of Idaho. Come on, somebody. And when it does, many of you are going to go, oh, that feels good. And ain't nobody going to freak out when you say that. (laughs) But the moment you're in a church service just like this, and you have a brother or sister worshiping God, and you're like, man, this feels so good. You're going to look, oh, my God. Like, what's, I didn't feel nothing. What you feel? You feel anything? I didn't feel nothing. What you you feeling? (laughs) You're going to look at them like they're crazy. See, we get it. In nature, but a lot of times we miss it in the spiritual. See, the problem is most of us, most of us believe that everything that we receive from God has to fit in between these ears into this mind. It has to be something we understand, right? But the truth is, the bottom line is this, my friends, God is not a God to be understood. God is a God to be experienced. God is a God to be experienced. So what does he want us to experience? And that's the question. Well, that's what we're going to answer today. He wants us to experience help. Everybody say help. Help. John chapter 14, verse 16 through 17. Let me give you some context. Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples over his last meal, or what the Bible or Christians call the last supper. And this is the meal that he had before he went and died on a cross, was crucified to pay for your and I sin. And then before he was resurrected, he's having this conversation. He's having this meal. And he says, hey, guys, before I go do all of this, I want you to understand when I go to heaven, I don't want you to be alone. I love you enough not to leave you hanging. And look at what he says. Jesus says, and I'm going to ask the father and he will give you another. Notice the word here. Advocate. Advocate. Some translations in your Bible that you may read might say comforter. Some translations might say counselor. And I want you to look at the role of an advocate or the Holy Spirit. Notice that his role doesn't say, I want you to act weird. 
go in some crazy hypnotic trance, travel the country from revival to revival, <laughs> run around, jump over pews, run through the aisle. No, 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 no. It doesn't say to act crazy or to act weird or lose all control of your bodily functions. No. Look what it says. It says, I want to send you an advocate to do what? To help you and to be with you. I don't know about you, but I could use some help. I don't know about you, but it sounds like to me, like this is, this sounds like a best friend. Someone who will help me and be with me forever. I'm like, bring it on, Lord. And notice the word. He said, I want to send you the pneuma. Spirit, the pneuma, what's pneuma? It's the unseen wind of God, is spirit of truth. My friends, if you want to experience all that God has for you, and I urge you and implore you to make that your desire, especially in the times we're living, you've got to come to the place where you realize that a characteristic in nature of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, is an unseen quality. Here's the second thing. If you're taking notes, write this down. And again, I'm just trying to show you some parallels between wind and the Holy Spirit. Look at this. Wind is, it's unpredictable. Wind is unpredictable. In other words, sometimes the wind blows this way. Sometimes the wind blows this way. And sometimes there's a change and then back to a change. You know, when I fly in and out of the Boise airport, um, you know, what I've recognized is that I don't always take off and land in the same direction. Have you ever noticed that? If you've ever flown on an airplane? Why is that? It's because the winds change direction constantly. In fact, there's actually an orange cone that looks pretty cool. I used to, I was like, what is that cone? That cone, it just kind of flies in the air like this, right? Flops back and forth. You know, that's just not there to be aesthetically pleasing. That's there actually for the safety of the pilots and the passengers. That orange cone that floats and shows the direction of the wind actually shows which path that the airplane should take off and land in based on the direction of the wind. Why? Because wind is unpredictable. But if, if you're following the direction of the wind, even when it changes, it could save your life. It can keep you from a plane crash. And see, wind is unpredictable, and so is the Holy Spirit. And this is the place where I feel pushback. It's like, I don't like that. Woo! I want my God in a box. I want them nice and shiny, neat and clean, wrapped with a bow. I want my systems. I want my processes. I want to know what to expect, when to expect it. I want control is what we're saying. Many of us in America, we don't like this aspect or this characteristic of the nature of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we resist him. Well, Rhett, that's just your opinion, man. I mean, like, really? Does the Bible say that the Spirit of God is unpredictable? Yes, it does. Look at John chapter 3, verse 8. In fact, Jesus, the Son of God, said this himself. Jesus answered. He said, hey, guys, the wind in time out. Guess what word the translators finally kind of got right here in the translation? This is the word pneuma. It's the wind. The pneuma, the Holy Spirit, the pneuma, the wind of God blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. Kind of sounds like Cotton Eye Joe. Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from, Cotton Eye Joe? Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Squirrel. <laughs> Y'all, if you're new to this church, I believe that church should be enjoyed, not endured, okay? We have to learn to laugh a little bit. You just thought Cotton Eye Joe wrote that song, right? No, it came straight out of the Bible in reference to the Spirit of God. 
You're going to listen to that song a lot different now. Hey, by the way, I cannot condone. or that's, I've never really heard the song outside of that lyric. Please don't judge me. I have no idea what else it says. So it could be a horrible song. Forgive your pastor. But then watch this. The rest of the verse says, So it is with everyone who is born of the pneuma, the wind, the breath, the fresh air of God. What is Jesus saying? My friends, Jesus is saying you're going to have to get a little bit uncomfortable with the unpredictable nature of the Holy Spirit. You're going to have to get a little bit uncomfortable with what we would consider uncomfortable. Why? Why is that? Why can't God just be in this pretty little wrap box and a bow and just work within the system of the process that we like? You know why? Because if he only operated within a system, if he only operated within a process, we would worship the system. We would worship the process instead of God. And God doesn't want us worshiping a system. He doesn't want us worshiping a process. My friends, he wants us worshiping him. The last, time, the last time I checked, my friends, God only spoke to one man through one burning bush. If you read in the Old Testament, when God was speaking to Moses, asking him to deliver all the people, all the Israelites out of slavery, out of Egypt, he showed up to Moses in a bush. That was burning, but wasn't burning up. Can I tell y'all, that sounds a little crazy. Why did God do that? I have no idea. I think it's because God has a sense of humor. Hey, Gabriel, you know what we ought to do? Yeah, I'm about to show up and talk to Moses. Why don't we go throw that bush on fire and let me talk through it? Why? What? And can I just tell you, if somebody had a burning bush experience with God in this moment in 2020, you know what would happen? They would say, you know what? I'm going to plant the first church of the burning bush. And they're going to tell you, my God, if you haven't heard God speak to you from a burning bush, you're not hearing from God, you're going to hell. Like, what? You're like, come on. That's exactly what would happen today because people, we like to worship the process or the system. We want to know how God heals. We want them to do it in a specific way. We want to see God answer prayer in a specific way. Why? Because we like things to be nice in a box and in control. There's a story in the Bible. I love this story. It's about, uh, there was a friend who had a friend, and the friend's friend was blind. Y'all going with me? All right. So the friend, one day was out, hanging out, saw Jesus healing some people. And Jesus was putting his hands on people, and people were being miraculously healed. And the guy was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. I got a friend who's blind. Hey, bro, listen, there's a man who can come lay his hands on you, and I'm telling you, you'll be healed. Your eyes will be open. You'll be able to see. And he brings his friend to church, brings his friend to Jesus. He said, hey, Jesus, my friend is blind. Hey, Jesus, hey, put your hand, do the hand thing, Jesus. Oh, you know, when you put the hands on him, the people, put your hands on my friend, Jesus, heal him. And Jesus says, oh, you, oh, you think it's in my hands. You think it's in the system in which I'm providing for other people. Okay, then let me show you something. Jesus begins to proceed by spitting on the ground, making mud out of his spit, grabs it, places it on the eyes of the young man's friend. The man is miraculously healed. And you could just imagine for a moment the brother who brought his friend to church that day and was like, oh, God, I was hoping he would do the hand thing, but he did the spit thing. Like, what is happening right now? <laughs> and some of you are thinking that today. You're like, oh, Pastor Red, uh, I brought my friend today, and I just want you to do what you always do. And uh, I've already done messed it up because I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, all right? I'm not going to be doing mud pies, though. I promise you that. 
There's a mystery to the way God works, but I tell you, the bottom line is this. He, he's unpredictable, you guys. Is there structure? Yes. Are there systems? Yes. Does God bless that? Yes. But there is a character. There is a nature, just like wind, that's unpredictable. And it is much like the Holy Spirit. Here's the third thing that wind is, and that wind is powerful. Wind is powerful. And I, we know this. I mean, I've lived in the Treasure Valley three years now, and there are times where, like, wind will just sweep through this valley, and I feel like my whole house is about to get blown over. I'm like, what in the world? But I'm from the South, and, you know, this is... It's not new to me, man. I remember um, growing up as a kid, you know, we had tornado sirens. Y'all don't know what a tornado siren is, do you? Very eerie. Wakes you up in the middle of the night. You grab your mattress and throw it over your head in your bathtub, right? Why? Because the tornadic activity is happening. And I'll never forget several years ago on April 27, 2011, it was an F5 tornado that moved through Tuscaloosa to Birmingham. I'm from Birmingham, for those who know. 81 mile, 81 mile path, 1.5 miles wide, 190 mile an hour wind. Some of you are like, thank God I live in Idaho. <laughs> it brought destruction into everything that was in its path. Why? Because wind is powerful. So not only is wind powerful and it can bring destruction, but I need you to know it can also bring life. It can generate electricity. It can sail a ship. It actually even fuels a fire for warmth in your home, doesn't it? I'm telling you, my friends, there are some things that you're going to go through in life that you cannot handle on your own. And you're going to need the power of God to help you in your marriage, in your relationships, at work, in health, in your emotions, things that you're dealing with, of depression and hopelessness. You're going to need his power because it's his power that can bring the change. You can't do it, my friend. This is why he gave us the Holy Spirit. I want to show this to you. So I want to encourage you to welcome the Holy Spirit in your life and to experience his power. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Notice this. But you will receive power. Everybody say power. power. You will receive power. When? When the Holy Spirit comes on you. And I'm like, hey, bring it on. Like, hey, God, if you've got something good for me, if you've got something powerful for me that can help me overcome pornography, if you have something powerful in my life that will help, help me overcome drugs and addictions to alcohol, to sex, to you name it, my friend. Let's be honest. Let's be real. We are in America and we're dealing with some junk. You cannot do it on your own. You've tried. I've tried. We need God. We need his power. His power. 19th century, there's a gentleman by the name of Charles Finney. He's a Presbyterian minister. And he, by his own words, he would say, I am comfortable knowing God at an intellectual level. Those were his own words. But in his life, according to his testimony at that time, he said that my life was completely predictable and life less until he met the person of the Holy Spirit. And from that point forward, Charles Finney led a half million people to Jesus Christ. From the power that pulled him out of his comfort zone, made a difference in his life. And look at his words. This is just a little excerpt, but look at his words. He says, the Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves 
in ways of liquid love. For I could not express it in any other way. His words. It seemed like the very breath of God. You know why it felt like the breath of God? Because it was the breath of God. We need more than our human effort to face the challenges and the difficulties that we are walking through in our lives, my friend. We need God's power. So here's the question, how? How? Well, look at what the Bible says. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. My friends, don't greed God. In other words, don't reject something God gave you. And my friends, I want you to know every good and perfect gift comes down from heaven. God has nothing but good in store for every single one of you. And I want you to know God gave you this. So because he gave it to you, look at this. Don't. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. And it goes on to say, don't take such a gift for granted. Well, how do I not take such a gift for granted? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to give you three things really quick, and then we'll close. Three things. Number one, I want to encourage you to let go of your fears and your misconceptions. To let go of your fears and misconceptions. In other words, to lay aside your preconceived ideas and to allow God a blank page to learn really truly what the Bible says, who he is, and what he wants to do in your life. So how do we do that? Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Everybody say these two words out loud. Put that verse up for me, my friends. These two words out loud. Say them. Trust God. That's how we do it. We trust God from the bottom of our heart. Listen, God's not against you. God's not going to make you act crazy. God's not going to make you act weird. God has good in store for you. He wants to help you, and he wants to be with you forever. He wants to be your best friend, and he does that through the person of the Holy Spirit. So don't try to figure out everything on your own. Don't try to figure out. Don't try to fit God in your head. There are things to God that are go beyond our understanding, and we simply just need to trust God. And my friend, you can trust God. He's good. Here's the second thing. Second thing. And I could honestly bring this to you in every single message and everything that we do as a church. And that is, my friend, you need to go all in. You need to go all in. Look at Jeremiah 29, 13. God says, you will seek me and find me under one condition. You will seek me, you will find me under one condition when you seek me with all your heart. In other words, God is saying, my friend, when you go all in, you'll begin to experience all that God has for you. His life, his power, his goodness, his love, and his friendship, and his help through the Holy Spirit. You'll never find God's best going halfway. You'll never find God's best going halfway. Listen, my friends, we get this in life. If you were to tell your boss tomorrow morning, morning on Monday, hey, I'm only going to work half a day today, all right? Woo. You might get away with it for a day. Come in the next day, you do the same thing. Guess what, my friend? What is the result of that? Brother, you're going to be fired. We get this. Hey, students, you go to school and you decide, you know what? Attend some classes, not go to, not really study. Guess what? You ain't going to pass. You're going to fail. We get this in life, but why in the world do we not get this when it comes to our relationship with God and the things that he's called us to? I'm telling you, you will never experience all that God has for you going halfway. When you go all in, my friends, what you will discover is a life that is radically changed. 
I was really praying to the Holy Spirit and asking him whether or not I should share this. And I feel like I should. And I want to go ahead and ask for your forgiveness in advance. Because I'm about to step up on my little soapbox. Not just as a pastor, but as a friend. I don't understand this. I don't simply understand how people, not talking about y'all. Y'all are my heroes because let me you're here today, right? But I don't understand. Maybe you can help, help a brother out and help me understand. I don't understand people that don't go all in. When I was 16 years old, I was addicted to pornography. I thought my mom killed herself because she, she, she did kill herself. She committed suicide, but I thought it was my fault. I was carrying a lot of weight. I was doing things the world's way. I was miserable. I was in shame. I was experiencing guilt. I wanted to take my own life. But a friend of mine invited me to a church much like this. I walked in. I didn't experience church. I experienced the breath of God. I made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. And the people said, well, now, like, you know, like God saved you. He gave you his son, Jesus. But, you know, there's a third person of this trinity that you need in your life to help you. And I'm like, well, bring it on. If that's what God has for me, I want it. I received the power of the Holy Spirit in my life that began to add change. I, people would tell me, oh, now, you know, small groups. I'm like, okay, small groups. This is what Christians did. Like, and got in community, built some accountability, began to get set free from pornography, began to serve on a team. I was horrible at music, but somebody, they didn't have a team, so they're like, here, you play guitar. I'm like, no, we'll figure it out. I grabbed a guitar, I started playing, figuring it out. Next thing I know, my life begins to be blessed. Next thing I know, God's blessing me. Next thing, not just with material things, but health, you know, like just prosperity in every part of my life. I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel, but I'm talking everything in my life I begin to experience blessing in. Why? Because I just began to do what the Bible told me to do. And I meet with people time and time again. And they ask me, man, I want what you have. I'm like, well, brother, let me tell you what I did to, to, to get it. Oh, man, I'll do it. Next thing I meet with them, they ain't doing it. And they're like, why isn't it working? I'm like, brother, it ain't working because you're not doing what you need to do in order to get what I'm experiencing. You're not walking out God's word for your life. You're doing life alone. You're coming to church once every three months. You're not in a small group. You're not on a team. You're not making a difference with your life. You're not experiencing the fulfillment. You know God. You're a good person. You know Jesus. You're saved. You're going to heaven. But you don't know the third person of the Trinity. And my fear, my friends, One Life Church, is that we're going to go through life going to heaven. Good people. We know God. We're saved. Like, hands down. But we're going to live life on this earth without the power and the person of the Holy Spirit that Christ died to give us. So we could have the help we need for our marriage, our home, our fire, everything. Okay, I'm off my soapbox now. Do y'all forgive me? I just want you to hear my heart this morning. I'm not trying to say, oh, look at Pastor, pat him on the back of what he's done. My life has not been perfect. I've made a lot of mistakes along the way. But I've had the right people in my life at the right time to help me stay on track. That's the person of the Holy Spirit and community. I want that for you. I implore you, don't do life without this person of the Holy Spirit. Go all in. 
My prayer was, God, if you have it, I want it. Bring it on. That's my personality, but I'm just saying that's where you've got to get if you want to experience change. Okay, moving on. Here's the last thing. I encourage you to do number three, develop what the Bible calls an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. Intimate friendship. My friends, friends that are intimate are close. Friends that are intimate are close, and they're people you can trust. And I want you to know that this is the role of the Holy Spirit. This is the role. Do you know God the Father has a role? Do you know God the Son has a role? And God the Holy Spirit has a role. We see all three of these roles in one verse of the Bible. It comes out of a closing prayer out of 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. This is a prayer that Paul prayed over the Corinthian church in the city of Corinth. And honestly, this is my prayer for you, that you just, you come to understand, but more than that, that you come to experience. Look at this. It says, the amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ. That's his role. It's grace. It's a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't do enough good. It is grace and grace alone. Jesus Christ came to save us. Secondly, the extravagant love of God. My friends, I shared it earlier this morning. God loves you. He loves you. And then look at the role of the Holy Spirit. It's the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. So write this down in your notes, and then we'll pray. God the Father loves me. God the Father loves me. He loves you with an everlasting love. Here, listen to me. God loves you. If God had a refrigerator, my friend, your picture would be on it. And you ready for this? Even when you mess up. I'm not saying he's happy when you mess up. I'm not happy when my son messes up. Sometimes I'm a little disappointed, but it doesn't stop my love. He never needs me more than when he's messed up. That's when he needs me the most. That's when we, you and I, need God the most. God knows what you did, but he knows that is not who you are, my friends. He loves you unconditionally. Some of you, you can't relate to that aspect of God the Father because of your earthly father experience. And I'm so sorry. You know, God wants to heal you from those scars and those wounds. And he can. It's a process. It doesn't happen immediately. But I hope that you see through it Did you know that the fact, it wasn't just about your dad ruining his relationship with you. It was more than that. It was spiritual. It was an attack from the enemy and an assignment on your life so that you would never experience a relationship with God the Father. If he can muddy up the relationship you have with your earthly father, then he could pretty much muddy up and screw up your relationship with God the Father. That's why he does that. And God wants to heal you and mend your broken heart. But you need to know today, my friend, that he loves you. He's not mad at you. He loves you. How can you be sure? Because you can always tell the value of something by the price someone is willing to pay. And he paid the ultimate price through his son and that Jesus Christ, God the Son, look at this, write this down. God the Son saves me. This is the role of Jesus. It's the role of Jesus. It's a free gift. Can't earn it. Can't do enough good. It's free. It's beautiful. It's a free gift. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't received that gift, you can receive that gift today. But for most of us, this is where it stops. I'm good with that. 
because I can understand some of this, but I can't understand the third person of the Trinity, but my friend, my encouragement is you need him. So what is his role? We've talked about it today, but I'll close with this. The role of the Holy Spirit is, and it's awesome, is God the Holy Spirit is with me. He's with me. Once you write that down, will you bow your head and close your eyes? We'll be here just for another five minutes. No one looking around. I just want to simply pray for you. God, I, I thank you for your presence here this morning. God, you've brought us and you're bringing us all on a journey. And I'm just asking, God, that you would continue to lead us and guide us on this journey of letting go of our fears and letting go of our misconceptions about the person of the Holy Spirit and the role that he wants to play in our life. God, I pray that you would help us to begin to take a step of going all in and simply saying, God, if this is what you have for me, then I want it. God, I pray that you would help us begin to develop this intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you are here today and you do not have a relationship with God the Father. God, you know maybe who he is on paper, but you are not walking in relationship with him. And you know it because there's a separation. You can feel guilt. You can feel shame. Some of you once had a relationship, but for whatever reason, you, you walked away. And today, now is the time to come home, back into the loving arms of your father. But you can't earn it. You can't work for it. You just simply have to receive a free gift that was given to you. Romans 10.9 tells us that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and that he's God's son, a miracle happens in your heart. Can't explain it. You've got to step outside to experience it. You just got to take that step. And I want to encourage you today. It'd be my honor to lead you in that simple prayer. So with nobody looking around, all heads bowed, all eye closed, I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to call you down front. But if you're here today and you'd like to begin a relationship with God through his son Jesus, we just simply raise your hand today. Maybe you're coming home. Maybe this is your first time or maybe you're just coming home. Just raise your hand across the room. God bless you. You can put your hands down. It's not about a hand raised, it's simply about a heart that connects with God. Would you say a simple prayer like this? We say, Jesus, and everybody pray that under your breath. Say, Jesus, and I receive what you've done for me. I believe you died. I believe you rose again. I believe you paid for my sin. Forgive me. Change me. Come live inside of me. I give you everything. I declare you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, in this attitude of prayer right now, I know the majority of people in this room are Christians. You love God. You love Jesus. But there are some of you in this room, you're walking in an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, but some of you aren't. And I want to encourage you today just to simply take a step in welcoming him, the person, the helper, the comforter, the counselor, into your life. We're not going to do anything weird. I'm just going to simply ask you to pray. And if you're comfortable with this, I would just say, would you just reach out your hands like in front of you, like in this receiving posture? And just with your heart, if you want to take this step and receive God's best for your life through the helper that is the third person of the Trinity that Christ wants you to experience on this earth, would you say a prayer like this? You say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you in my life. Fill me. Have your way. In Jesus' name. God, I thank you for what you're doing in the hearts and lives of our family here at One Life Church. I thank you for what you've done, for what you're doing, for what you're going to do. And I thank you for the promised Holy Spirit that allows us the help we need, God, to live out 
our lives on this earth and this planet until you come, making a difference with our life and in our family. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Everybody said amen. Put your hands together. Show some love for those who made a decision this morning. Thank you.